How's it going, Chris? I am doing great, Tyler. So this is our inaugural podcast for uh, Macro Ops. And this is Chris Dover, the new guy, Chris D in the comm center and publisher of a couple of wacky posts recently. But more importantly, we have co-founder of Macro Ops here, Tyler. And um, so this is going to be our first as I mentioned, inaugural podcast. So we're going to try some things out, see what works, make it, uh, make it our own over time. And, and really, uh, user feedback is going to be what helps that. So without further delay, we decided to just get one out here and start talking to the founders. And um, we got Tyler with us. So can you tell us a little about, a bit about you? Uh, I got your bio here we can go over that or just you can wing it how you go how you want to do it yeah I'll just, I'll just wing it real quick so I started trading um directly out of college uh, basically uh, I wanted to hop right into it and my journey began you know just kind of by myself as a as a retail trader um, just kind of reading everything I I possibly could find on the internet and I'd study every day for hours and hours and ended up learning quite a bit about options and volatility. And that allowed me to actually get hired at a uh, family office in, in town in Austin, Texas. And that was a big step because, you know, I was basically plugged into the institutional side of the business. So I got access to, you know, tons of different institutional research. I got to look inside of how those guys think about markets and investing, which is could be quite different than how a lot of retail guys think about markets and investing. So I, I kind of cut my teeth professionally in that office. And specifically what I did there was run a, a little internal prop desk. So we had a few guys in there and the, the head of the family also uh, really liked trading as well. And so we had a, uh, an interactive brokers account actually. Um, it was, and it had multiple sub accounts and each trader would trade their own sub account. And yeah, we just, we, trade based off of a myriad of different strategies. So we used macro, we used, uh, you know, we were doing volatility stuff, we were doing stocks, um, whatever we thought, whatever uh, we thought was uh, the right trade at the time. And we moved into algorithmic stuff too after that. And so I really got a, a nice view on the entire trading universe. And from, from there, yeah, we just, uh, I, I kept trading with them for a while. And after that, uh, I broke off and started a publishing company with Alex and Anish. Um, and those were the, the two original guys. And we wanted to do that because uh, we wanted to form a community of guys that all had the same type of passion for trading that we had. So, you know, one of the things that, that didn't really fulfill me at the family office was, uh, you know, it was just, it, there was a lot of focus in other areas and, and it wasn't a, a hardcore focus on the craft of trading. And, you know, I didn't really have anyone to work with there eventually because uh, the other guys started getting more interested in oil and gas plays and private markets. So that that's really the the, the reason why we started Macrops is to bring people together that have that shared passion. And, you know, here we are now. <laughs> that's great. Um, where did you go to school? So I went to school in Austin at University of Texas. Um, and that's uh, how I came out here originally. So... Before that, I was in Chicago, which is uh, you know kind of interesting because uh, at the time in Chicago, I wasn't really big into trading, even though or options, even though that's where all that stuff's founded. Right. Uh, you know, this, they got the, the Merck, the CME, and the CBOE, 
And I, I knew a few guys uh, actually that lived on my street, um, uh, a few neighbors of mine, um, older guys that, that worked in the pits back in the day. And uh, I would talk to them. But I, at, at the time, though, I didn't really have an interest in trading. So uh, it, was, it was a little interesting that while I was there, I, I didn't have that interest. But yeah, coming out to Texas, uh, University of Texas at Austin, you know, great, great town. And, and I was lucky to kind of get in here early in the early days, um, 10 years ago, before it really started blowing up to where it is today. Yeah, I've actually never been to Austin. I've been to Dallas nearly 100 times, I'm sure. But I've never been to the, the city that everybody talks about. Yeah, it's really, I was just looking up an article today um, and it was saying it's, it's the highest, uh, has the highest growth for new startups and it's, it's growing four times faster than most of Silicon Valley. So it's just, it's just crazy. Like all, you got all the big tech companies now pouring in, um, Google, Apple, Facebook, they're all expanding over here. And uh, yeah, it's, it's sort of, uh, it's, it's sort of like San Francisco, you know, in, in the early days, I think people are a little tired of uh how overpopulated, um, you know, California got and they're all kind of flocking here. So it's a really cool vibe and, uh, great people too. So I, I definitely recommend anyone to, to come and visit. And if you're here, you know, uh, Alex and I are both residing here as well. So we're, uh, we're ready to meet up. You know, we love meeting, uh, any collective guys. Yeah, we need to have a, uh, we, we definitely need to do a meetup somewhere. I mean, I, I plan on, uh, getting out there and hanging with you guys for a little bit, but, uh, getting the whole macro crew out doing a meetup and, and just going, that might be a really good time. Yeah, that'd be fun. I know, I know, uh, a few guys have been emailing in about that and that's something we really want to get scheduled for this year. Uh, Cause it's requested, uh, quite a bit. And I think we're going to, we're going to make it happen soon. Beautiful. Beautiful. So, um, back to trading. So that's our world back to macro. So you currently are just, uh, running your own prop account. Is that, is that what's yeah, going on? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I have a, I have a prop account. Um, I used to do some stuff, uh, you know, in, in some other accounts um, for a few other uh, friends and family. Um, but now I'm, I'm more just focused on my own, just on my own accounts because I like to trade pretty aggressively, and uh, and you know, and then just running the business at MacroOps. So which you know keeps you kind of plugged into the trading world day in and day out. So yeah, that's the that's what I'm doing right now. What what, what about you, Chris? What uh what are your trading specific activities looking like these days? Uh, I've, uh, <laughs> my evolution in trading has gone from the two to 300 trades a day down to, uh, you know, thinking that anything above a 15 minute chart was just worthless to, uh, I'm doing end of day trading now, which mostly in currencies and, and futures markets. So I'm getting probably 10 to 15 trades a month and the moves are, much bigger, obviously. They take time to play out. So mm -hmm. really, I, I spend my day uh, researching for the most part. And, and it's more of a, it's a quantitative research. So doing a lot of um, analysis of distributions of trades and setups, entries, position sizing. Uh, I, I'm spending a lot of my time focusing on position sizing and exit algorithms. Mm -hmm. and adaptive formulas based on market regimes. So not to get too nerdy into it, but, uh, you know, when we're like currently we're in a, a fairly interesting market, it's, it's nothing that we've seen for the past couple of years, just straight down from October bottoming right around Christmas time. 
Santa Claus rally came through. And, I mean, we've shot up violently from yeah. there. That's a characteristic of a market regime that is different than we've had for the last couple of years, which was a constant bid. It was either gap up and kind of sit sideways for the day and then gap up and gap up or sell off and, you know, buy the dip and, and continue higher. Whereas that might have been what worked in December as markets went, you know, gave everybody a, a rather bleak Christmas <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, conversations around the around the Christmas table were probably a little interesting. Um yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. There's uh, there's a few uh, interesting things that I wanted to point out from what you said. I think uh, you know you said you went down to ten and to fifteen trades a month, and I think that's a uh, you know I, I tried to stick somewhere in that time frame as well or in that quantity as well because uh, I feel like that's that that gives you kind of that uh, good life balance too. You know, if you, if you're trading like you said, you know, tons of times a day. That, that's a lot of screen time. You know, it's a lot of sitting in front of the screen. And when, when you're going end of day, you know, you can you can focus your efforts on what I feel like is more meaningful stuff like the research or, you know, other things outside of trading. So I've definitely gravitated towards, you know, I used to be a guy that sat at the screen every day and watched, you know, watched the entire session. And, uh, you know, it's just I, I, I find it that it's uh, it's more rewarding to kind of bring that quantity down um, and then use, you know, something that's not as fast paced. Absolutely. Uh, you know, a couple of times a month, I'll have an intraday trade. I had two this week. Kind of, I think, in essence, they, I, I ended up a winner on it, but it was very little. And I, it was two days. So Thursday and Friday, I pretty much had to sit here and stock and just wait and wait and wait. And I'll get maybe a handful of those per month that I do it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times I just, you know, because it's part of my system, I do do it. But for the most part, I'll look back on days where I sit here and stock and stock a trade. And it could be two or three days before I actually get the trade. And so I'm passively watching the market and as opposed to just getting after it. But even then, I still feel like, you know, that was was that valuable? Did that really bring value to on, on days that I don't have a trade? Right. Yeah, <laughs> but then, yeah, of course, exactly. if, you, yeah. if you force the trade, then you look back, you're like, yeah, well, had I just done nothing, I would have made more money than losing the trade. So, but yeah, I, you know, I'm up in my secret mountain lair up here in the mountains <laughs> for the winter. Um, and it's, you know, I, I don't want to spend my entire day looking out the window at just, you know, all this beautiful snow coming down and the tree, you know, the trees just covered in snow and the hills and the trails and the mountain, everything just just screaming to go be uh, adventured on. And, mm -hmm. you know, the last thing I want to do is sit here all day long and not take advantage of that. Same thing when I'm, you know, when we're in other parts of the world. It's, it is it is a, a great place to be. And, and when you first start out trading or when you first get in the business, you think that every piece of data, every single news, everything is the most important thing. And, and going after it with such gusto uh, seems to be the, the strategy, but you know, with the amount of information we have, the amount of uh, access that uh, you can open an account within, you know, a very short period of time, you can put 10, 20, 50, a hundred thousand dollars of your own money, millions, whatever you want, um, to work. And for some reason, 
take you know somebody who's quite accomplished in business in life and you know in usually in order to get to uh the place where you can start trading your own money you've had some success financially and so mm-hmm. that probably didn't just come from like hey i woke up and i had an extra hundred thousand dollars in my bank okay it came from hard work yep. and you know whether that's you know long education well you know paid for education but it certainly came from long long education whether formal informal dedication focus hard work putting in the hours just years and years of a lot of uh repetitive success and a lot of people come into the markets thinking that they can just that they're going to be smarter than some of the smartest people in the world who participate in this arena uh whether that's algorithms who are extremely smart at one thing or whether that's the you know the global macro big you know, big shots, Soros, Druck, PTJ, you know, all the, well, all the people you write about, mm-hmm. you know, those, if if you think you're going to be able to come in and do what they do just because you read a book that says this is how to do it or this is what they do and you haven't developed yourself personally in the markets, there is a lot of money to be given up rather quickly. And that's typically oh, yeah. <laughs> what we see. You know, a lot of people, whatever the actual number is, I don't know. But 90% of traders, pretty much market participants that want to do it full time, come in and lose. And the people who just sit in their 401k and continue on with life, owning an index fund, uh, outperform the full time people regularly, consistently. And yeah, anyway, that's a bit of a soapbox. But that's, I mean, that's really what I'm after is making sure that we can help those people who are. Uh, coming in not to become just cannon fodder one, but two, you know, bridging the gap. You know, we work with a lot of institutional people. We're talking with a lot of people on on big desks, and you know, there's there's a lot that they're not seeing as well in the markets, which has been somewhat surprising to me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, that, that that has been very surprising. Is uh, well, number one, just how wide the the knowledge base is among participants um in, in the game because there, there's there's just so much to learn and there's so much to to get a handle on but uh you, you you get guys from different disciplines and you you know you hear from them you're like wow i've never even considered that and then the same thing when you talk about a concept um you know to some other institutional guy and and they'll be like you know i've never thought about it that way so you know, I think that that's also been a great benefit so far that I've gotten from the comm center is, uh, you know, just, just expanding everyone's scope and expanding everyone's mind. Um, you know, and, and you can tell, man, there's, there's improvement, there's improvement for everyone, you know, whether you're the guy just getting in the game or you've been in the game forever, you realize it's just, it's a, it's a constant evolution process. Um, you know, and, and that's like, that's another thing that we champion at Macrops is it's, it's a constant evolution um, and you know, that, that's the way to succeed and, and do the best in the markets. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what have you, uh, let's take a look at the markets while we're talking about it. What have you, uh, what are you looking at these days? Yeah. So I've been, uh, sort of sitting on the sidelines as far as, uh, the big macro markets go. Um, I think, you know, the S and P is a little tough to, to, to gauge right here. Um, I, I think you put out an alert. It's a, we're kind of at the line in the sand, you know, in terms of, 
is it going to come back down and and re and retest all the bulls convictions again or are we going to have that fomo rally up um but what i i think i put out a note two weeks ago i thought was uh interesting and i didn't put this trade on but it ended up being a, a profitable one is that i saw the the volatility compressing and i think you also wrote about that in your in your note as well um and that was a, a big change um, from what we had you know going into december 25th december 24th and i saw the volatility complex start to dip down and the uh, vvix actually um is a measure of the volatility of volatility so it's the uh mm -hmm. it's it's basically telling you how expensive vix options are relative to uh relative to the past and that was at a very low level i'm trying to pull up a chart here real quick um let me take a look at at vvix it was it's at 82 spot 49 right now and that was a that was a red flag or not not a red flag but uh just something that was interesting to me because previously in the year when we were going down um you know and crashing in december and you know crashing during the fall that had skyrocketed um pretty high up and you know we were up at levels of 140 in october and even during the uh and in, in mid-December, we were around 110. But since the beginning of the year, we've kind of crashed down to 86 and, and stalled there. So there wasn't there wasn't much fear, there there wasn't much demand for those VIX options at that point, which uh, made me think, you know, you know, maybe people are are already their exposure is already paired off. You know, there's there's they don't have as much on as they used to because they're not spending as much to protect. And, and I started looking at the, uh, I like to look at the term structure of volatility a lot. So the VIX divided by the three-month VIX, and I saw that collapse below one as well um, as we got into the beginning of the year. And so I put out that note talking about buying, you know, VXX puts or even short-selling VXX. And that seems to be a pretty good trade so far. It looks like the, uh, you know, the, the 24th was almost like a blow-off top for those products. And we've been consistently downtrending. So... You know, unfortunately, I didn't get that trade on, but I think uh, you know that that was a good play at the time. And now, though, we're we're sort of, in, in my opinion, we're kind of in a in a state of indecision right now. It's a little tough. Um, I, I like your trade that you put out recently with the, uh, you know, go short here, have a short sell stop here. But if we if we continue higher, have that contingency plan. I think that's an interesting way to to play this area. But yeah, that's uh, that's my current read right now on on the S and P. Um, the other markets, you know, I've just I've kind of just been monitoring, but not uh, I haven't had as much interest in in the other markets at least right now. So I've been mainly focused on S and P and, and VIX. Yeah, that um, I I came at the volatility from my angle. Let, you know, let's just look at this together. Like coming at it from two shots, there you're on the vol side. Uh, you know, I, I I trade currencies quite a bit. But the, you know, the biggest, most known product out there is pretty much the S&P 500, the highly, highest traded product out there. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's rare that I actually get a um, take a move on it. I'll usually go into it with the Russell or the mid caps um, or NASDAQ. It's rare that I actually hit it with the, uh, the S&P, but it is definitely that line in the sand and this is you know it's a low risk area to come in and start looking at a short after we've gone straight up now what is that you know 
line in the sand, that's that's also where people, a lot of people crowd in. And you can get this speed bump. You can get this, um, I don't know if I want to call it speed bump, but, but congestion where nothing happens. You can get this mm-hmm. immediate drop and it, it you know crashes, which I think is less likely. Uh, though, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> if it happens, it yeah. happens. <laughs> uh, and the other thing is, is so many people start loading up on the short side when it becomes this line in the sand. Everybody's been paying attention to the 2600 area. Because uh, that's when that broke in the fall uh, Q4 mm-hmm. there. When that broke, it's when the, you know, it really accelerated down. So we're back up testing that. So a lot of lot more people get short, and a lot of people have been saying, you know, if we hold above twenty six hundred, close the week above twenty six hundred, close three days, whatever the metric that they imagine, and and go, you know, sell on Bloomberg, CNBC, or wherever, um, whatever that number is, there's just a lot of lot more action that's going to if something violent happens, a move higher. We're going to get stop losses triggered, and that's going to be just a big spike high. We're going to get people who are FOMOing in because they're like, ah, oh, 2,600, I missed it. And, yep. you know, so, so it's a highly volatile situation to go in right here. But at the same time, we know. <clears throat> so I'm, I use a lot more um, back tested or, or, you know, tested quantitative uh, tools to help give me insight and I'm not talking a hundred percent win rate. I'm talking a 50% win rate, which is a beautiful edge as far as I'm concerned. Um, where volatility hits lows and, and I'm talking like an average true range volatility, which mm-hmm. it probably looked exactly the same in the VIX, VVIX. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't use those as mine, but when we get down to volatility levels on the actual price action, and nothing's we're going higher, but nothing's happening on the volatility. That's that's the regime that you start seeing a massive spike in volatility. When it goes down, like you were saying, when we get really low in volatility, something big is gonna come. Now that mm-hmm. may come tomorrow, it may come next week. We may get back to historical lows in volatility like we had uh, you know, earlier this year. But you know, we're at a good inflection point, so I, I threw the trade on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think next week will be an interesting one because uh, that's you know, everyone's sort of really wondering where where the next thing is at this point because we're sort of just in the we're at the end of the day we're we're at the middle of the range of 2018 pretty much you know we've right. if you look at 2018 we had that huge range and then December was when we capitulated out of it and now it, it looks like uh, you know that's that was just like a false breakdown and and now we're kind of back up in that congestion zone so definitely confusing for a lot of people but yeah it'll be interesting to watch to see and i still think you know the, the light on your feet um you know light on your feet is is the best here but uh yeah um cool i think that that's uh that covers the s&p anything else you want to hit uh you know one thing i've i've really been focused on is is categorizing the market regimes we're in and you know quantitatively and mm-hmm. Just knowing, first of all, what worked earlier this year, what's worked for the last few years, is a lot different than what's working right now. Um, and and recognizing that, as you say, being light on your feet means if you're going to take positions because the ranges are so much bigger at the moment, you have to downsize. Well, at least I downsize my positioning. So mm-hmm. I had a buy signal on the S and P, and you know on on 
the broad equity indexes at uh, you know after the big spike up. Mm-hmm. And because the range was so big, the risk range was so big for that trade, I couldn't actually size it with futures in a safe manner to risk, you know, 1% because the range, I mean, that was a massive range, you know, I think it was probably 2300 area to like a 1900 stop or something. It was just too big. Yeah. And, you know, you try to, you try to go, you, you're going to, you know, you're going to take a 5% drop in the account if you were to just get, you know, a, your smallest contract size on there. And that's just not worth it. So, um, you know, I could, and, and it's not even at profit target after rallying this, you know, however many hundred points from the bottom, it's still not at a single uh, unit of risk profit target yet. So uh, we're in a an interesting market regime at the moment. And there's no, you know, no reason to be a hero. If you just want to sit back, wait, let it come back into what is working, or what has been working, find a market, there's what, 50,000 products to trade out there. Doesn't have to be mm-hmm. the S&P, doesn't have to be crude, doesn't have to be gold, as, you know, Jim Leitner. And, and you know, a lot of the, he's a, definitely a guy that I've been spending a lot of time um, looking into. And, and uh, you know, he and I, I think, have very similar uh, investing styles. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the idea is to find alpha in the world somewhere. As global macro traders, that's our job is to not just, well, I'm global macro, so I'm the S&P, I'm the FTSE, I'm the, you know, I'm oil, I'm gold, I'm interest rates. That's true, but Argentinian banks, um, you know, Turkish interest rates, uh, Italian bonds, JGBs, those are all interesting, but you can you can find interesting mixes with those. Uh, you can find a lot of opportunity in in different places addressing an instrument or ad- addressing a trade through multiple instruments where you're risking you know one or two percent on the downside, but your upside is more like eight, twelve, fifteen percent. Mm-hmm. And it's not in the S and P all the time. It's rarely in the big contracts. It's oftentimes out and about. So if you do have a style that has been, for example, a style that has been working for the last couple of years and suddenly it's not working, well, go out and find the the instrument that trades in the style because there are, like I said, at least 50,000 instruments that you can have access to and go find, you know, the setups that work there. I think that's that's something that I've really been talking to a number of different people, some of the bigger desks, they're just uh, staying away, staying far away from um, the, the, I guess, the rock stars of the macro world being, you know, crude and gold and whatnot. And, and they're out finding more exotic ways to hit it. And they're doing, you know, the ones that are up on the year are doing quite well hitting crypto, you know, even actually making money in crypto on, a, on such a down year. Yeah, I think that's really important, um, and it's something that I, uh, you know, Alex talked about in, in his own way earlier this year, and stuff that we want to roll out um, as the year goes on is having, you know, having that ability to go out and trade everything, and also having multiple ways of attacking the markets, um, so that you never feel the need to do something. So part of the yeah. part of the reason why uh, uh, Alex wanted to shift, you know, into this. Um, smart beta with a macro overlay approach was it takes the pressure off of you to be in because you're just constantly harvesting that beta. Um, and you know, 
Leitner kind of talks about that as well, where he has a bunch of different systems harvesting the known betas in the market that we know of, like an equity risk premium. And we know we get positive carry if we hold bonds. We know, you know, you can get um, make positive carry by shorting um, futures contracts and contango. And then there's there's carry trades and there's the volatility risk premium and all these all these uh, premiums that you get just simply for taking risk. You know, it's it's the market's uh, market's payment to you for having to endure volatility. And if you have that, and it's more of a kind of passive sitting in the background, then you don't have you don't have that feeling of okay, I got to get long stocks or I got to I got to do something here. If you don't have a great read, because you're already going to make your income, you know, you're already going to have your your uh, your betas coming into the portfolio, and so you don't have to you know necessarily go out and feel like you have to make a trade. And then you know, in in your world and more of my world, where we're kind of more systematic, the same thing applies. You know, if you can have multiple systems, multiple strategies, and then expand the universe, you, uh, you basically expand the amount of occurrences that you can hit. So if you have, you know, um, if I, if I imagine like a, a rolling equity curve on each instrument and you notice that, Hey, you know what, like my, my system's not performing that well on, on ES, it doesn't really matter because you have all these other markets that you can go to and trade and you can dial down exposures in one dial up, up exposures in the ones that are working and you have options. And, and that's really what it comes down to is having that, having enough options in, in global macro so that you can constantly go to the place that has the most edge. And so that's a huge benefit because uh, if we have more things to play, we have more instruments to play, then we can create higher returns because we have more opportunities, uh, you know, for edge creation. So like if you were, you know, and, and like just in your basic universe, if you were only trading one of those, right, your returns would be much lower because you just don't get enough setups, right? And, and over the course of the year, or the conditions aren't right for what you're doing in that particular instrument, but you have 34 others. So now all of a sudden your frequencies are skyrocketing. And when your frequencies are, are skyrocketing, you have a higher probability of you know making a positive return. So I think, I think that's a super important concept. And we're hitting it from multiple angles this year, you know, both on the more slower kind of discretionary macro side. And then, you know, on the systematic side, we're going to have a, a lot more stuff getting built out that you know, just so people have a more of a buffet to look at and they can take what's working or, or take other things and plug it into their process and, and constantly, you know, be light on their feet and, and be on the move and always go wherever the money's at. Yeah, absolutely. That's um, <laughs> I mean, I, I love it. It's it kind of kind of interesting if you if you look at your account the total net worth at the end of the month let's say and you spend as a trader you spend 40 hour well not well let's call it 40 hours a week as a trader if you're making less than what you make in your typical job it's a bad trade right yeah it's a bad trade yep it's a bad trade so if you're still yep. working 40 hours and you're you know at the end of the month you're down consistently or you're not making any money or you made $2,000 where you come from a job where you were making, you know, five, eight, ten thousand $10,000 a year. It's, it, that's a bad trade too. So thinking about the smart beta as, as a whole, um, is extremely important and, and understanding that, you know, your time has value and that, yeah, should, absolutely. that should have it. Um, one thing I, I wanted to do, cause you put out a great article this week, which kind of, does a better job of summarizing what we're talking here mm -hmm. uh, than or talking about here. Uh, so, I, if you got some time, we can chat about that. Yeah, let's do it. Let's let's kind of dissect it. I think that's a good segue here. Great. Um, so, 
I'll start out. I'll just go ahead and read the first excerpt um, okay. that has been translated, and then we'll let I'll let you uh, kind of expand on on that and who he is and and how really <laughs> this is all about trading. I didn't know crossbow bolts and trading were so alike. <laughs> <laughs> so this is from uh, Zhuangzi, right? Yeah, yeah. It's I, I don't still don't even think I know how to pronounce it right, but. Yeah, it's it a, it's a it's a classical Chinese text. Okay, really it's, old. Yeah, it's very very good. Um, but I looked it up to how the translation is. But hey, I could be wrong. Uh, so he starts out. They are consumed with anxiety over trivial matters, but remain arrogantly oblivious to the things truly worth fearing. Their words fly from their mouths like crossbow bolts, which would be an arrow. So sure are they that they know right from wrong. They cling to their positions as though they had a sworn, as they had sworn an oath, so sure are they of victory. Their gradual decline is like autumn fading into winter. This is how they dwindle day by day. They drown in what they do. You cannot make them turn back. They begin to suffocate as though sealed up in a box. This is how they decline into senility. And as their minds approach death, nothing can cause them to turn back to the light. And as you write, bleak stuff indeed. Yeah, so I, I think, uh, you know, we, we see a lot of people go down this path. And I think the reason why is they don't have that continuous evolution mindset. You know, they, they learn a little bit. They get to a certain point in the journey. And then they just they stop. And, and uh, you know, they might be having some mild success, but they never press to the next level, which you know, if in, in, in my opinion, in our opinion, um, you know, why are you playing the game if you're not trying to approach the next level? Because like, as you said, if, if you're, you know, if your trading operations are bringing in uh, an amount of income that is less than what you can make, you know, go work in a job, you know, what are you like, why are you doing it? You're, you're, you're making a bad trade in doing that. Um, and same thing goes for like a smart beta or, or a passive investment. If you can't, if, if you could earn on average the same amount of money, um, you know, doing some type of smart beta or some low time cost activity than you are doing with your full time trading, then you're again making a bad trade because you're trading a bunch of time. Um, you're, you're trading a bunch of time for uh, no, no additional returns. So really the point of this article is, is to is to look at the problem in, in that perspective. So if, if you're going to do it, you need to you need to attack it, and you, you need to play to win. You don't you're not want to you don't want to come into trading just to kind of kind of make it or or make a little bit of money that you could also make holding beta indices and spending next to no time on. So I think you know a lot of people kind of get caught into into that trap, and uh, part of that too is is also understanding why you want to trade. So sometimes, you know, like trading's and mar- trading and markets are a large arena and, you know, not everyone needs to be the guy that's making the majority of their income off trading, right? So you can, you can treat them as a, a, a passive investment or a place to preserve wealth or grow wealth slowly. But, uh, if, and that's fine. But if you're someone that's trying to make your own principle, you know, you're trying to use trading as, as something that's generating you the majority of your wealth and you just have to attack it with this mindset there's no other option um, because if you don't then you're making a bad trade compared to what you could do in the outside world so I think that that's like the main takeaway that I wanted to uh, 
you know, I wanted everyone to get from, from this article. And then if we kind of go down, we see, uh, you know, uh, examples from the market wizards, Paul Tudor Jones, uh, Stan Druckenmiller, those kind of guys. And they, you know, they had the same type of, uh, you know, they, they had the same type of, of outlook at how to, how to play in the business. And it wasn't necessarily, you know, we got to bet big and be reckless. It was, it's just, you know, Hey, we're going to play this game. We understand the game. We understand there's risk. We're going to use risk control, but we're also going to play to win because if we don't even try to win, then you're, you're basically doomed to, uh, um, a mediocre results. Right. And you just become another, you know, a, another guy that's closet indexing or, or just making average results. And so if you're, and if, again, it's the, the, the hardship of trading and, and the journey of trading, it's not really worth it if that's the, the end goal. So it's sort of just, you know, making a mental decision or, or what, what journey are you on? Um, and if you are on the journey to have trading as your primary source of income or, or wealth generation, then you have to approach it in this mindset. Otherwise you'll, you'll never get there. Yeah, I agree. The, um, <laughs> I agree completely. My my greatest trading success has absolutely been, well, it's been two things. It's one, keeping the slow, steady thing going and building a little bit and a little bit over time, which actually is going all in on a single strategy, expanding the mm -hmm. universe, as you talk about, which also, again, you know, I have a win rate of usually 40 to 60, 70%. I just size my positions so that they're, you know, six losses in a row uh, just is kind of like, well, that's six losses. Um, and then they're just small enough so that when I start, actually, the trade takes off, I have a, a way to really capitalize on that. And then the real part of down to what Druck um, talks about in the article about having a you know putting all of your eggs in one basket and really protecting that basket uh you know 2017 28 first part of 2018 had one of my biggest most massive runs in you know ever and all it took was just recognizing that i had that basket and it was you know in my hands and i nurtured it, it was it was very intense very intense and a very it was about three month period of time too but that accounted for the majority of 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 my returns over numerous years, um, and and so there, there's a piece up here in the article uh, that you wrote, and I'm going to quote it again. So basically, he says, "Let's break down uh, Zhuangzi passage sentence by sentence." This is this is probably the the first one that I got that that really was just like this is so apropos so so right to to so many of the people i talk to that want to talk about the markets or or are just getting into the markets mm -hmm. they're they're consumed with anxiety over trivial matters twitter news um <laughs> but remain arrogantly oblivious to the things truly worth fearing and i want to say you know twitter news all those sort of things is mapping a time frame to a decision in the market is an extremely valuable position. If, you know, long-term interest rates are something, you know, or, or the short or the, you know, the curve, the yield curve even, um, if that's how you're making your trading, your, your financial decisions, that's beautiful. Do that. But 
don't go in and short the euro or you know buy the five year today for a you know 30 minute 60 minute trade <laughs> or you know a couple of day trade thinking that this yield curve is going to cause the uh, inverted yield curve is going to cause a recession two mm-hmm. years out you know like timing that focusing on what truly matters and what you should really be worried about versus focusing on you know a, a trump tweet or uh you know price fixing in in um in indonesia or something like that overnight like like that that truly does not uh reveal anything on the on the short-term movements that you're trying to do and at the same time you know if if you're glued to news all day long and it's it's you know a retweet or somebody posts a chart with a line on it and suddenly you're jumping in and going after a trade you're you're not truly understanding what is that <laughs> it you know it, it is your money it is at the end of the day it's your money you have the decision to make but you don't need to risk all of your money just to you know, just because you read something interesting or you see this, you know, a bunch of people on Real Vision perhaps talking about these things and, and just jumping right in, you know, that's. Yeah, yeah. You definitely don't want to get caught up in the in the day to day noise. Um, and, you know, you're going to like it's it's uh, it's impossible to avoid it because some of the is signal and, you know, that's that's what we have to do is sift through a lot of that stuff, but definitely not make any trading actions around you know, the trivial day-to-day stuff or think that every single uh, news article that comes out of Bloomberg is is important to your process. You know, the, the things that are truly worth fearing, you know, are, are the bigger things like, um, you know, how are you spending your time? Like, how are you how are you growing your trading process? Um, what, what have your results look like? You know, what's your plan of action to improve the results? Uh, things like that, they're actually worth um, thinking about and spending time on. And then you also brought up a good point about, um, uh, t- time frames for the stuff you're looking at. And I think that's super important as well is, is trying to get a handle around, you know, the, the, the shape of the yield curve at this point in time is not really going to affect your five day trade in, you know, some currency market or even, even the S and P's. And so you, you got to be able to subdivide out all of those different, uh, indicators and be able to, uh, bucket them into different types of time frames and, and and then be willing to ignore the stuff that's just not in your time frame. So, right, everyone talks about um, these massive trends um, or, you know, the yield curve or you know, the level of interest rates um, or some, you know, big macro indicator like maybe, uh, you know, the, the conference board lean economic indicator. Those things are all important, but over a certain time frame. So, those those indicators are are great if you're looking to trade on you know one year three year five year types of time frames if you're looking to um, load up huge positions and hold for a while but if you're if you're a guy you know trading swing trading or, or doing more frequent trading then you know those factors aren't really going to um, matter to your process like you mentioned there's going to be other stuff worth worrying about even more like position size or the way you're exiting or, you know, dialing down your exposure because the market's moved to a different type of volatility regime and your system's not compatible with that. Like, that's the types of stuff that they should really be focusing on instead of, uh, you know, wondering if the, if the news of the day is, is going to change, um, if, if the news of the day should make them change something in their portfolio. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to go further onto your point there, you know, it really comes down to 
kind of what I wrote about is, is putting yourself in the best place to make the best decisions and, you know, developing a process over time, you know, your physical health is the most important. So if you're sitting mm -hmm. at your desk all day long, eating crap and, uh, you know, just treating your body poorly and your mind poorly, well, you're not going to be able to benefit from the hard work that you're putting in, in the markets, whatever we'll call it, hard work, uh, you know, years down the road, because physically your body is not going to be performing. You're, you know, you're going to be sick and, you know, other diseases may come into play. You may, uh, just, you know, be completely out of shape. So it's not just, not just about the good trading, but taking care of yourself, getting good sleep, eating well, exercising, breathing, moving, um, you know, learning really like <laughs> kind of, yeah, yeah, those are the key things, you know, like that's, that's, what's going to make you grow is, is are, are you, are you eating well, sleeping well? Most importantly, are you learning? Are you, are you continuously improving your process? Those right. are the things that really push, push the gains, you know, in the account, not, um, you know, watching a Trump tweet and saying, oh, how does this affect, you know, my trading or, or watching some guy post a chart and then, you know, oh, I, that's all reactive type of stuff that, that doesn't really, that's not going to pay you in the long haul. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, I was I was going to mention like Charlie Munger and and Warren Buffett, not the healthiest people in the world, but mm -hmm. what they focus on is not making trading decisions until it is just completely obvious, and you know they've done the work to come up and they move into it in a very big way, much like Druck mentions in your article as well. That they the reason that that Charlie and and Warren are so successful. One of the reasons I would say, besides they have a great platform and, and all these other things, is time. They've taken and, you know, they've leveraged time to be on their side. And if if they wake up and they read all day long and they're constantly learning, constantly improving, getting better at thinking, having some some verbal sparring with one another and and testing their their thoughts and their limits, that's actually a much better trade than getting in and shorting the euro or, you know, to, uh, Aussie yen or something like that based on the inverted yield curve. You know, they're, mm -hmm. they're sitting back and, and thinking and thinking and thinking. And, you know, PTJ, Druck, you know, all of the best ones are not in it all day long going after it. They're working, they're looking for the big moves, right? Mm -hmm. And that's yep. where they've made that's where they've made their best successes is on the big moves. This, you know, if you're staring at a screen all day long thinking that you're going to miss that big trend that's coming up, I'll tell you what, when the big trend happens, you're going to know the big trend's happening. You don't have to catch the turn. There's the, the thing about a big move is that there's a lot of meat in the middle, right? Mm -hmm. And when it's just so obvious, and it, it is obvious when you see it, you're just, you know, you're like, okay, this is happening. Everything's lining up. And it's it's not obvious because of a single tweet. It's not obvious because of a, a rate hike, rate a, a single, you know, and or an or in the minutes. <laughs> yeah, um, that's going to change the path of the world, and and maybe it does, but because just because you missed it in that single instance on that you know th you know five seconds after it gets published and. You know, I have my, um, you know, I have my machine learning algorithm to just kind of 
consumes the entire product, finds that anomaly in the speech, and then goes out and does the trade. And wow, you made a million dollars on this trade because you got in at you know 101 p.m. 101.03 p.m. versus you know hmm interesting you know taking a week and contemplating. I've yet to see a, a you know a bar spike in such a way that you're looking at you know a a generational move or a you know a, a you know a cycle changing move in a three second period for FOMC <laughs> minutes or whatnot. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that will never happen. It's always, uh, the, the, the biggest moves and the biggest trends are always taking, you know, months and months to play out. Um, you know, yeah. I, I, like one, one that just comes off the, the top of my head is, is oil in 2014 when it fell, <laughs> that was just a, a massive, massive downtrend, you know, and, and it, uh, it took months. It did. It did. Well, you know, uh, so I wrote about trading in nine 11 this week, uh, mm-hmm. you know, going short into, uh, September 11th. And I actually posted a chart of my trades. And <laughs> I was I was already short, but which was nice, but my exit was closer to my entry than to the bottom of the actual down move. And I mm-hmm. caught a nice chunk of that. That was a big big move. But if you look at the chart, there was a lot that was missed. I missed a lot of that big move and it took it was, you know, going into it, it was already downtrending. And then, you know, it goes down and, and the market's open again after it and continues to go down and then spike bottom, turn up. And, you know, I get trailed out, trail stop out. And then it kind of arches over and then drops again, right? And it continued to drop until 2003. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That, uh, there it was nice little one month trade or something like that where it all kind of like played out. But the reality is, it didn't. You know, the real trade where the the best, you know, not trade, but the you know the position where the most amount of money was made on the downside there took months, took years, took another two years before it finally bottomed. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, and that's the that that's definitely where big money is made is to as you're saying, smart beta, you know, you just kind of sit there and take a position passively and let it, let it play out just being positioned. And that's a lot easier to do too. If you have, um, you know, the activity that like you have in, in your systems as well. Um, it, it, it lets you like, and that's why, you know, we're just banging the table on multi strategies because you get to fulfill everything you want to fulfill, right? It's, it's uh, if if you, if you just were a guy that's going to go out and say, Hey, I'm going to look for one big trend and you hit it, um, you know, you're going to, you're definitely going to have all these emotional things crop up. They're going to want you to tamper with it and screw around with it because you don't have anything else going on. And that's just because you're, you're getting bored or you're not engaged. But if you have, you know, those other types of smaller things or like, you know, swing trading systems that that's going to keep you engaged, um, and focused, you know, you can focus your effort and time and energy on that while you let the big moves just play out and you can relax on those. So, you know, I think that all ties back into, again, why I think, having multiple ways of attacking things is, is definitely the best, best, uh, best way to, to get the most success out of the market. Yeah, I agree. You know, I find, um, one, one of the ways that I, I build great positions and strategies, I should say, was going back to your article here where you talk about the truths, the rules in air quotes, as you 
<laughs> right mm-hmm. in the words, air quotes next to it. Uh, you know, you cut your losses and let your profits run. Cool. Sure. I, you know, find me a trader and let me watch that trader. And I can guarantee that almost every single time that not, not, um, you know, some, somebody who's been in the business will be able to do that. And I will say people who are fairly new to the business won't be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, or they'll just do it because it is a rule and they don't understand. Um, first loss is the best loss. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody always says that always plan your trade, trade your plan. Well, sure. But without a plan, like <laughs> how good is your plan? Have you researched your plan? Just yeah, because exactly. you have a plan and you wrote it down in your notebook here on your, in your, um, uh, you know, your moleskin and it looks beautiful. And then you post a picture of it on Instagram or whatever. And, and all that doesn't mean that it's, you know, it, and you have this little tiny stop and this beautiful long profit target that, you know, that it's going to play out that way. Um, you know, trading with a trend. That's great. If you have a trend trading system, right? Mm-hmm. If, if, you know, I'm more of a reversion to mean trader. So if I go out and I find a training market, I'm not going to have signals. Yep. Right. <laughs> so, but a lot of that is just going back and, and it, it becomes gospel because it gets talked about so many times, but have you actually tested it? Have you built something robust around that? Have, do you know, uh, the Santa Claus rally, what day is a Santa Claus rally? Do you know, is there a, you know, over the last hundred years, is there a certain day that works that it starts and another day that it finishes? Or is it just that you were watching Bloomberg and they were talking about, well, are we having a Santa Claus rally or not? And without knowing the specifics of that, you know, sell in May and go away. Have, you know, what markets do you sell in May and go away? You know, over, consistently, does that work? Not always, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, Sometimes you got to you got to put the rigor behind the quote unquote rules, you know, or the, the truisms or the, the sayings, uh, because if you don't, then yeah, you're just, you're following blindly. You're just, you're out there in the blinds and you don't even know for sure if you're executing the quote unquote rules in a way that's going to give you positive edge. Um, and you know, and, and like I said, you know, sometimes the rules, uh, aren't for you. Like if you want to be a counter trend trader or someone that trades against the trend, then you don't, you don't need to trade with the trend. Um, and, and that's perfectly fine. You know, there's, there's many, many ways to skin the cat. So, uh, that's, that, that's the, the big thing about the rules that, that I always want people to take away is, is put some rigor behind the rules. They may be right. And, but, but make sure you test them and you prove to yourself that they're right. Don't just take it for granted from other people. And then also, you know, consider that some, sometimes, uh, there's, those rules aren't for your trading style or they're, uh, you know, they're not for you and that's okay too. You know, it would, it's, it's, uh, the goal here is to create something that has a positive expectancy and, and can abstract money from the markets. And if it does that in a safe way and it's, it's not, it doesn't have some type of hidden risk in it that would uh, cause you to blow out randomly one day, then, you know, mm-hmm. go for it. Yeah. Short ball. So, um, I guess we're getting close to the end here. I wanted to ask a little bit about, you're also a poker player. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, is this just hobby? Is this, is this a trade? Like how, how does that relate? Yeah, it, it goes, uh, it transitions between, uh, hobby and, and more hardcore than hobby. Um, depending on, um, just kind of, just kind of my schedule and what I got going on. Um, you know, recently it's, it's kind of retreated back to a hobby. 
Um, and that's just because, uh, you know, it's, it's, again, I look at the, how much dollars per my time I'm making, uh, at the poker room versus, you know, what else I could be doing. But, uh, yeah, I, th- I think poker for anyone that's uh, interested in trading, I think poker is just a fantastic, uh, training ground, um, and, and a way to, to learn the trading business because at the end of the day, it's, it's a very similar concept. So we have incomplete information at the poker table, um, just like we do in markets and we have to make these decisions, these probabilistic decisions that hopefully over time, over enough iterations, give us uh, positive expected value so we can expect to make money. And so I think you know, I've always been a poker player since I was very, very young, um, you know, growing up with the games uh, back in the Chris Moneymaker days when he uh, he, he ran his uh, Poker Stars Online account up to some World Series of Poker tournament entry, and then he won the millions of dollars, and that kind of started off the poker boom. And I, I think there's just so many parallels between that game and trading that you can definitely uh, you can definitely learn a lot by by focusing on that game. And so, like the biggest things are um, having that focus on edge. So, in order to to win money in poker, you need to have an edge over the other players, and that's the same thing in trading as well. You need to have an edge over the market, and then also the uh, the drawdowns, um, the drawdown concept, um, the is carries over hand in hand between poker and trading as well because in poker you can make all the right moves you could have you know pocket aces pre-flop and you know get your money all in against someone else you know say with queens and you still lose the hand you still lose all your money um and it's going to feel pretty bad but from uh if you're approaching the game from a positive uh from an expectancy um, approach that wasn't bad because over time, over inter- iterations, you know, you're going to make money. And so like, in, if you're trading a system like you are, Chris, um, and you have a losing trade, um, you don't, you no longer internalize that as like, I suck or, or man that, ah, and really have it get to you because you know that that's part of the process. And you, you know, the, the trade over time is going to make you money, but that particular instance, uh, just, you know, happened to lose. So you, you get, basically you're able to separate out, um, your emotional reactions to single outcomes and you start looking at everything from a, a multiple outcome situation. So you start thinking of, of things as in over 50 trades or over 50 hands of poker or over a hundred hands is just the right move or, or over a thousand hands is just the right move. And once you reach that mindset, you really do crack a, a certain level in trading that's hard for people to get, um, to get over. And that's, that thinking in probabilities versus absolutes, um, where a, a, a trade is a loser, it was a bad move, or a trade was a winner and that was a good move, uh, it really has nothing to do with the single trade. It's it's uh, it's over time. Um, you know how 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 are you doing? Because at the end of the day, no one can ever be 100% right because we're dealing with incomplete information and and also randomness. Um, so yeah, I think I, that's why I love the game of poker. Um, you know, I, I approached it pretty seriously and, and, you know, can read up on all the theory and, and really study the game. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a nice, it's a nice little training ground. So if anyone's interested in learning more about it, I can definitely point them to some resources and it's also kind of lower stakes too. You know, you don't have to, you know, put in, you know, you don't have to lose 20 grand or something playing poker. You can, you know, learn about probability and learn about expectation at, at relatively low stakes. Yeah, well, and you know, using that analogy, you can, you know, you don't have to buy a, a hundred shares of stock. You can buy one single share of stock and learn mm-hmm. on that. You know, that's, uh, uh, 
back to one of those other things. But yeah, absolutely. I think uh, um, games in general uh, offer a really good opportunity to learn about yourself. And, and it's what you would experience in poker. Um, probably, you know, I, I used to do the count or uh, card counting thing with uh, uh, blackjack, as you probably would imagine for a systems trader, probably mm-hmm. a little bit. <laughs> One of those two games is going to be in there. Um, yep. and, uh, you know, it's, it's probabilities, expectancies, and really you're going to lose. And if you sit here and can, if you can lose and understand that you have a strategy and you know, what is going to play out over time with a high probability, it's very easy to sit through those losers. Same absolutely is, is parallel in the markets where you're wrong mm-hmm. and you know probabilistically that your outcome, your expectancy is high, you know what's going to play out over time, you can sit here and watch as a position, you know, your your bet on the market goes against you and you feel when you're new and when you're just, you, you don't have that, um, you don't have the statistics, you don't have the understanding of what the trade should look like over time, you're going to sit with a pit in your stomach and you're not going to be able to sleep and you're going to lose weight and you're going to like, not in a good way. Uh, mm-hmm. and you're going to be stressed and you're going to have, you know, troubles with your spouse and your family and, and friends and, and, you know, get angry and troll people on Twitter or whatever. And, uh, <laughs> you know, sitting with that, and that, this is why I like games in general, uh, poker certainly is that you're playing, as you mentioned, <laughs> How many times have, have we been right on a trade, but we position size too high, too low. We accidentally put in, uh, you know, a limit or a versus a stop order. Um, we accidentally hit NZD USD and we were trying to do EUR USD, you know, just like made a small mistake, but was right on the trade. So our ego was pleased about being right, but our bank account was not. Yep. It's, you know, I could have made 20 on this trade if I just sat through it uh, and I only made one or, you know, I, <laughs> I lost two, but I was right on the trade. I just, I, I actually wrote, you know, put it, I shorted a hundred instead of, you know, longing a thousand. And so I lost money on it, but I was right because I got the trade right. And sure. That's cool. You could have pocket aces on the flop, but <laughs> you lost. And at the end of the day, all it's going to show in your notes, in in your statistics, in your records, is that that's a loss. You can put mm-hmm. the note, you can note off to the side why it was a loss, and you should for sure. But at the end of the day, that's just a downtick in equity. That's that's all it was, and it was because it was a mistake. It was because you um, got over cocky, you know, with the you know pocket aces, like you know you're you're overly ambitious or overly optimistic on the actual expectancy of that trade or the outcome of that trade, because you feel, Hey, yeah, the S and P's rallied up to 2650 and you know, this is the top. And now I got to just go all in mm-hmm. you now, all those, all those things. Anyway, um, got anything else you want to, uh, cover? Um, no, not off the top of my head. I think this is a good, uh, first chat. Um, we got it, we got through a lot and, uh, we can pick this up. Um, you know, in a few weeks or whenever we want to do another one based off of, you know, what everyone thinks about it. 
Um, and you know, like you said in the beginning, you know, we want to shape these, uh, based off of feedback. So yeah, guys, let us know, uh, what, what you like about it, what you dislike. Um, and yeah, Chris, it was, uh, is, it was a pleasure chatting with you this morning. Likewise. Always enjoy it. Yeah. Again, thanks everybody. Um, hit us up in the, uh, comm center on Twitter. Uh, what, let's, uh, get your handles out there too, for those not in, um, not in the comm center. Yeah, so my uh, Twitter handle is at Tyler H. Kling, at Tyler H. Kling. And, uh, yeah, Chris, you can go ahead and tell them yours. Uh, I am at Chris D. Macro, both on Twitter and the Instos. And then um, in the comm center, I am my Call of Duty favorite player, Soap McTavish. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. Tyler at macro-ops.com, Chris at uh, macro-ops.com. And, yeah, we'll look forward to chatting again. All right. Sounds good, man. All right. Have a great day. Macro-ops.com. And, yeah, we'll look forward to chatting again. All right. Sounds good, man. All right. Have a great day.